the final frontier. The stories came, contained within this content are the after 5 p.m. and before 8 p.m. escapades of a middle-aged space nerd with a fro. Continuing to talk about things that only interest me for bonus content. I will talk about space news, pop culture in space and shop talk, ramen, and break down the latest episode of Star Trek, whatever is coming out from the latest franchise. And also whatever is popping in my head. If you're up for this journey, just know that this is a metered, shade-laced opinion. If you don't agree, don't subscribe, but I hope you will. And thanks for the support. Americans return to space as Discovery clears the tower. Don't ask what your podcast creator can buy from, subscribe to, pay invoice for, Ask what you can do for your podcast creator. Where are the subscribers? Where are the sponsors? Why aren't platforms paying for advertising on content? When I get someone to pay for the great content that I'm creating, then maybe I'll actually have to expand my services. But until then, Y'all are going to get reused content because over four years I've created great content. I've done some calculations and I am spending anywhere between 900 to almost two grand a month to, for marketing, for editing, for uh, graphic design, but nobody is supporting this. This is not just a passion project. This podcast has to pay for itself. So, and I have a, a vast library of content that I have access to that I'm going to use going forward. And I'm also going to demand that somebody is going to have to come up off the cash between advertisers or people that actually listen to the podcast. If you want to continue to hear this great content, you're going to have to do access to it. Um, as of today, I'm going to be working hard about moving bonus, truly bonus content behind the paywall. I'm going to be reusing some content, but remixing it and editing it for, because that's how I roll and I can because I own the content. So there. <laughs> And I think 
that Madonna song is perfect for this part of the podcast because I'm going to be talking about um, this. The first in my picture, my collage, is a stellar ending. This is also the main image uh, for the Star Trek notes. And if you guys have been noticing that I basically just ping back or make a connection back to the full podcast notes, because what I found is not everyone on Podbeam have these really extensive podcast notes. So I do a couple of blurbs or shout outs for my um, online bookstore. And then I have the, the link back to my blog on WordPress, um, my Dale's Angels Inc. blog, where I have more details with the pictures that I'm talking about in the show to toys that I've bought. And also when I have like um, YouTube videos also embedded within the blog post. It's a, actually a great way for me to tie all of those platforms together. And I'm a very visual person, so finding all of these pictures that are actually copy, almost copyright free and using them in my post, um, especially the, the information through NASA, uh, my information through my post just makes it a, a lot a, like a multimedia publication and I actually enjoy creating it. And then this week in particular, this is the uh, artist rendition of the um, constellation from, I believe this is in Sagittarius. More 11,000 years ago, a massive supergiant star came to an end. The star's core collapsed to form an incredibly dense ball of neutrons and its exterior were blasted away in an immense release of energy, um, which astronomers called supernova. The light from this supernova first reached Earth from this constellation around 1667. And if anyone alive at the time saw it, they left no records. It's likely that large amounts of dust between the dying star and the Earth dim the brightness of the explosion to the point that it was barely, if at all, visible to the unaided eye. And that's where I wanted to make sure that I was, I was going to need to look up 1667. What's going on? 1667 history in the U.S. Because it was, we were here. 1492, we were discovered. We had a war going on or between Europe and there was a Russo-Polish war. There was an earthquake in Russia. Louis the 14th abolishes the pound. He appoints a he appoints a um chief of police. But then that same year, uh, he wages war. There was, oh, this is a little bit tidbit. June 15th of that year, Dr. Jean-Baptiste Dennis transfuses the blood of his sheep to a 15-year-old boy. And 
the operation was a success, but the patient dies probably from sepsis and uh, transfusion related because the blood was definitely not matched. You don't transfuse that way. It would have been better if he had gotten the blood from one of his uh, parents, but uh, there you go for the all for science. But there is no record of, especially in the, the that particular year, astronomical findings, if there's anybody that has researched it, but Sixteen sixty-seven. What? What? The whole thing was. The closest we probably have was the world was actually too caught up in its shenanigans and wars and rumors of wars, um, to be looking upward. Um, it really wasn't until a little bit later that year that maybe um, Galileo, and it was sixteen ninety that. The Stellarberg um, Observatory started uh, making observations um, and contributions to to astronomy. There was a black box. There was, but there's no because the lenses that we would have needed um, to have such a discovery probably did not come until. Johann Francisco Grindel in 1687 created such map of the moon, 1647, Johann Helvilius. Maybe he saw something um, and then, or maybe we just missed it because Galileo, as far back as 1610, uh, heard about the invention in the Netherlands of these early microscopes and telescopes. So maybe he, or it was destroyed in a rampage of religiosity. Who knows? Um, Because I'm thinking between uh, Galileo in 1610 and Johann Baer in 1661 um, and the supposition of constellation figures on star maps were absolutely uh, probably accurate. And I'm wondering if somewhere buried in their notes or their text that they actually uh, made the observation of this, or if we had the math that was available, um, had these observations and been able to visualize um, this um, heavenly body from so long ago. I'm going to have to do a little bit more research because 17th, 17th century ast- astronomy I think the secrets of they I, I think what we're seeing now and being able to va- basically verbalize now um we've had it's been buried in somebody's notes and I I'm always goes back to none of what we're actually experiencing now is absolutely new um we're talking about uh processes that started thousands of a millennia and a millennia ago and I bet in their rudimentary speech and their rudimentary calculations I bet these brothers and sisters, maybe we wouldn't know. These observers, uh, early scientists basically made the observations that we are uh, portraying um, and that is more widely available now. So hats off to science nerds 
um, as far as that. And we can't start, it can't end the session without thinking about spring has really sprung. I've seen evidence of the cherry blossoms and pear blossoms blossoming all over Mississippi Avenue. And the same thing about the spring equinox being enjoyed on our most closest neighbors in this solar system. And this is, I also included a picture of Saturn's rings as portrayed from the faithful robotic explorer Cassini. Um, the image is from 2009, but it's apropos and republished um, for our enjoyment now because at equinox, or in this particular case, the spring equinox, the shadow of the planet's expansive rings are compressed into a single narrow band cast onto the planet as seen in this mosaic, okay? At this time, so close to equinox, illumination of the rings by sunlight reflected off the planet vastly dominates any meager sunlight fall falling on the rings. Hence, um, half of the rings on the left illuminated by planet shine and then extends to catch any substantial sunlight, giving it the amazing contrasting. an amazing um, contrast between being able to show Saturn's rings. Uh, I think that's so amazing. And last but not least, this is awesome because come April 1st, and yes, I have marked it on my calendar, you nerdies. I <laughs> Take a sip of coffee. I am going to endeavor to actually get the latest uh, release from Lego's um, space exploration pieces. Check it. We have noticed or know of the shelving of this impressive uh, bit of technology. When, and I, and I remember distinctly as a kid being outside at PE at Newtown Road Elementary School and watching the 747 carrying, I don't recall which shuttle it was, but it would it was flying overhead. So me including the Space Shuttle Enterprise. And of course, why wouldn't I have a picture of Space Shuttle Enterprise? I'm talking, this is Star Trek, uh, almost a podcast uh, episode, almost dedicated in, in large part to um, Star Trek. But why wouldn't I have this shuttle included? And I think it's been over 20 years or 25 years hence that uh, we've since um, shelved the uh, shuttle program. And this is Enterprise being offloaded at the Redstone Airfield um, before it was moved to Marshalls for um, dynamic testing. This particular... Marshall, the testing site, will play a role in the Artemis program, which is meant to be the backbone of sending humans back to the moon and then on to Mars. But I find it awesome that in the release of this and celebration of this milestone in our space odyssey, so to speak, NASA, in conjunction with Legos, is on April 1st, is releasing a 2,000-piece shuttle for big kid nerds like myself.
Des yeux qui font baiser les miens En rire qui se perdent sous sa bouche Voilà le pâtre et son rétouche Et le maquillage Lady Gaga singing La Vie en Rose uh, from A Star Is Born. Yes, I have to have more star music. And this is what uh, my search in Africa came up with. And I think that's great. Um, La Vie en Rose is life in happy hues. And this is how I'm going to end this section of the beautiful uh, uh, supernova uh, from the constellation Cassiopeia. Um, looking at the rings and the beautiful Enterprise shuttle. And then the great announcement about um, the Lagos NASA Space Shuttle Discovery that's going to be released um, in, on April 1st. It's on my calendar. I'm going to be sitting there like the release of a new iPhone because I want this thing. And when you're a nerd and you have disposable income, this is the crap that you buy. I did it again, Britney Spears, uh, the 1990s, 2000s, uh, white, teen screen, queen idol, and as I always stated, didn't say at the top of the show, but everything that you could um, hear in um, background um, is available for immediate streaming on iTunes, my one podcast uh, playlist. And all rights and reserves, I give everybody credit where credit is due. And this is just music that is, has become uh, parts of the background and theme of my life. And I hope you will enjoy it. And what a great way um, to introduce this part of the podcast where I'm talking about and just in general black excellence and just myself for once. Not too long ago, I submitted my DNA uh, for analysis uh, through 23andMe. Um, eventually, I'm going to get a report because I think they also do specific uh, genetic testing, uh, BRCA, uh, the breast cancer, my susceptibility to breast cancer because of my strong family history, and I have not yet to be tested. So, um, but one of the things, because one of my favorite shows um, is Who Do You Think You Are, um, and then there's another one. Finding Your Roots on PBS, um, and that's where I got the idea of submitting my ad mystery. But I hadn't really looked at it until I, this weekend closely, um, and it came about why I looked it up and got um, uh, 
inspiration for this part of the podcast. Who do I think you, where am I from? And I'm blackity black. It's because very simply, I had done it, paid the money and had it, but never looked at it. And then, and what encouraged me was when I watched um, High on the Hog on Netflix and they were talking about the African diaspora and how we live and the food that we have created has influenced cuisine in the South, across America and the world, where it comes from. They started in Benin, which is West Africa, um, through the gates of no return, um, through Sullivan's Island, most uh, lighter immigrants to this country immigrated immigrated through Ellis Island, but ours was the auction block at Sullivan's Island near Charleston, South Carolina. And the rich African heritage of the Gullah people that um, still inhabit, though a smaller population um, in that area. And the information, the wealth of information through 23andMe how my mitochondrial drill DNA is in millions and maybe billions of people that starts from one female ancestor deep in the Congo or sub-Saharan of Africa and how I'm really that bitch. I really am blackity black because my genetic admixture is firmly on the west coast of Africa, primarily Nigeria, Ghana, Sierra Leone, um, Senegal, uh, Gambia, and just Angola, and just very, very, very deep in western part of the continent. But the admixture, uh, it goes from like east to west, basically following the diaspora that was trade, F slave trade rich. Although Parts of the, the, our past as African-Americans is really dark and, and, and macabre. Um, the slave, the agony of the slave trade um, and slavery in this country, um, you can't negate and you can't soften that because it was a horrible institution that basically we all still have a collective PTSD but there's also beauty within that. And the beauty within that has to, a lot to do with the rich traditions that is told through our foods. Um, some of the things that we never, never really thought about um, that were truly, purely African, like yams, which are different than sweet potatoes. The sweet potato is the American iteration of that, but the yams is firmly ours plantains, peppers, and even the original pitmasters are all West African or African in and meat preservation and meat preparation. These are things that were traditionally truly are within our DNA. Our people had a rich hunting and gathering tradition. And we use things, all parts of the animal from the rooter to the tutor. So when you gave us bits of leftover pork and snout and chung and the cheeks of animals, 
we already knew how to prepare that because again, it was in our DNA and things that, and, and just by my little bit of um, inspiration and looking up things about Nigerian cuisine and Ghanaian cuisine and Sydney Gambian cuisine, and even the cloth, what I'm finding that we always, it's not that we always, well, actually it is. We always had to make do by what we actually have. And that narrative where there is either from a caste system or socioeconomic um, that Africans um, look at African-Americans or other people that are outside of Africa is poor them and there is a separation that we're not really Africans, but that is a narrative spun by people that will be directly affected once we learn how to be together um, and the, the benefit of us coming back together. The narrative that we are not or that we would not be welcome back in Africa is such a lie because everything that I've actually seen is the welcoming and the open arms and we are brothers and it's like they're, they want us to have a reverse diaspora and the um, gates of no return are the, now the gates of coming back home. Slavery was a bitch. It really broke up um, traditions, but we then have subsequently uh, made our own traditions and that are truly rooted um, in the um, sub-Saharan and Saharan uh, traditions, the original traditions. Say what, say what, we ready, say what, say what, we ready for y'all. We ready, we ready for y'all. Say what, say what, say what, we ready, uh-huh, uh-huh, we ready, go ahead, y'all. basically not listen to that they beat us last two times we met in the, in the regular season. But this bullshit, they started zero and two, we two and zero got the best defense, got Micah and him, and y'all lose to these bitches? The fuck? Oh my God, oh my God. I'm so mad, I can't. That's why I'm glad I'm into this season this early because I don't think my neighbors can tolerate me yelling this loud because y'all suck! Y'all suck! Y'all do realize they put me in that Miami game, right? I I'm just gonna go on record to say 
that this 7,000 to 13 loss, I was in the game. I was the quarterback at one point. I was the running back, wide receiver. I was the tackle. Me and my dog were the offensive line. Denver did not score again ever. They ran it. Miami ran it on these fools. I've never seen anything. And it's really sad because a brother is the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Where were they at? I, I, that's what I'm saying. It was so bad and so crazy. It was like they put me and Ethel in, and we just ran the ball all day long. I've never seen anything like this. It wasn't exciting because it was so, this is just so pretty. Who is that? That's the water boy win going for a touchdown. How you go for 50 yards? This is like the fifth string playing on Miami. They're running it, just running it. If it had been anybody else, they should have stopped. They could have stopped the game. But they just kept running it in, everybody looking around. It's like everybody on the offense of Denver getting ready to get fired. Ah, y'all suck. Now I see a team that sucks worse than Dallas. And it's appalling. This score was appalling. How you lose 70 to 20? This is crazy. I almost want to get Miami gear because this is some crazy-ish. I've never seen anything like it. It was crazy. The only good thing about this is I'm going to fuss about this in a different segment. Maybe I'll put this at the top of the segment. Because my favorite actor, Leon, was at the Liberty game and New York won. That, at least it was dope. Playoffs. The Connecticut somebody and the Liberty. I'm getting the Liberty because at least the women are playing like they got more to lose and it looks like they're having fun. That Miami game just was no joke and it was crazy.
actually hope I will knock you out by my lyrical stylings. Um, I started writing this book and I started reading it online as a part of possibly publishing it in total, self-publishing in total online, but I am going to continue to read it because it allows me to revisit the, the lines and actually to make edits as I go live. And one of the things that I've actually found that, that happened to me this week, I got a notification from Spotify that there could be a copyright infringement. Anytime you read, and I think this came from me reading, so when I was into this historical uh, fiction um, slant, when I watched Bridgerton, and I read from the original author of the print, uh, the Duke series, and what I, what I did is I only read like a couple of paragraphs, but evidently you can't, any reproductions um, in mask or not, you can't actually, um, they won't, they're not, you're not supposed to do that without permission of the um, writer and pay royalties, even though I bought the book and I could read it. Now it don't work that way. You have to get even, have to pay even more money um, to be able to use their, um, their copyrighted material. That's neither here nor there. So that means I just have to create my own and read my own. Um, and I'm still wrestling with the storyline about adding in to suss the story out without being too um, overly detailed because I don't have to put everything in this book because the way I've written it, I want it to have multiple parts. So this is all rooted into discovering that the replacements, this group of uh, higher functioning entities that are part of the continuum of life um, have been meddling in the historical in a historical context for humanity. These fools are only meddling um, to disrupt the existence of humanity. That's the bottom line. They want humanity to use their worst um, inclinations to destroy themselves so then they can take over uh, Earth and this particular part of the universe. But the unpredictability of humanity makes that not possible. And with COVID, COVID actually blew up their game, so to speak. So in this next section, I say I don't, I, I named it, don't call it a comeback because we wrestle, as humans we wrestle, are we the only ones in existence um, in, the, in the universe? Obviously through this book, I honestly believe that we are not. And it is not only a recognition that the concept of Messiah coming back uh, the concept of humanity existing against the odds and the existence of other beings besides ourselves is a reality. And so that's why was the impetus and an influence, uh, inspiration for this particular part of the book. And it's called Don't Call It a Comeback. Creation is a notion of a primitive brain not able to grasp the complexity of existence. I basically should say that should be creation theory is a notion of a primitive brain not able to grasp the complexity of existence. 
a bit arrogant when you think that other beings had to look exactly like man to create man when that is only a small part of creation. Religions only got it par partially wrong. The power of coexisting energies, edicts to ban things that could potentially hurt population growth of humans, or because they diverted those teachers who were more diverted by debauchery instead of elevating the minds of humanity. I put that as a sentence. I don't understand what that is. I'm going to have to rework that. <laughs> what if humans' perception of God was actually a continuum entity? What if humanity exists because of the conversion of those entities? What if they do not require to be worshipped, but only require humanity to exist? And not tear itself apart, chasing some rabbit down the rabbit hole. We have to evolve much as the continuing entity did. So what of the chosen people of Israel? What of the Christians, Muslim, Buddhist? Limited explanations for what came before and a means to reconcile with requirements that make no sense. All with messengers or messiahs of sorts to release us all from the bondage of superstition into the existence of an entirely different level. Also, Mother Mary or even the prostitute Mary Magdalene, who actually may not have been but a woman who owned her sexual power and made no apologies this freedom not acceptable in the male chauvinistic world. Both Mary's vessels for the word and protectors of the word, both apostles in their own right, but silenced by the maniacal patriarchal limited system. Another epoch wasted. Still, the human brain could then conceptualize to understand the continuum entity creator is not to worship, but to be in a bi-directional bi communion with the entity but the inherent low self-awareness would miss all the ancient opportunities for connection. Only when the community was used for nefarious actions or subjugation would see the humans punished or the worst or the worst loss of life. Translated into worship and never reaching beyond. The perfect creative intelligentsia hybrid overly personified in the doll Grace J. As the malicious deflected um, defected and the replacement government apprehended art emerged with a new appreciation for more controversial art forms like high drag glitter diamante crystals full ball gowns a requirement for this artistic expression with memories being long and expansive I got the original um inspiration for this chapter because I had binge watched all 13 seasons of Drag Race as well as All Stars and I think I don't know if the recent All Stars for this season has been released I'm gonna have to check that but anyways the intelligence and creative community had a hybrid and obvious leader in the astrophysics and drag designer, Grace J. With the fall of the U.S. government in a conventional sense and the rise of a new religious understanding, acceptance, and tolerance for the LBGTQ plus community as everyone just was relieved to survive, 
but old prejudices rose their heads as the old ways made no sense with self and the edicts could not exist any longer. Creatives, uber-sensitive, and with a powerful gift of discernment was key to the survival in a critical world. They also were equipped as residual uh, replacement detectors in a real sense because many went to ground in the post-U.S. dictatorship roundups. But they also became the protectors of high art. So many museums and libraries burned or were ransacked during the years of chaos, but now many of the looted materials were being retrieved as spaces for display were restored and most virtualized. Some of the queens of drag outside of dancing and formal waitresses never had important positions such as these positions, but with a new purpose, they could now operate without persecution and entertain the masses again. They would become the moral compass of surviving population who were learning acceptance for this group of creatives. The pandemic and the oppressive replaced regime caused the drag community to literally to go literally way underground, only to emerge live action using CGI technology and transmit it with the newly developed holographic emitters by Afrodroids. The only hold over from the previous game was acceptable, was the shade and cattiness of a different time, not understood in polite society. So much creative energy put on pause by governmental corruption and then the, the COVID scourge. Life lived in the shadows for so long. Hydrag came back with a vengeance, and Hydrag would go to new heights as an acceptable art form, finally. Hydrag is a celebration of life and beauty with gothic makeup and beehive wig, supporting queens playing Beethoven romance concertos as they stomp down the catwalk, all folded and included in the balls. Then Grace J and Sheila. With encouragement of Graham Maple, conceptualized the International Drag Ball. They began to obsess about indigenous representation instead of misappropriation. The headpieces of formal Vegas showgirls returned and adorning the indigenous tribes of Inca and Mayan origin. They wanted tops, celebrate ornamental historical perspective as an acceptable art form. Even before the first spike, heel clacked onto the virtual runway. Mass appeal comes massive criticism. The ultra-moral majority and formal mafiosos that ran Vegas not understanding the new world order and not interested in creating their own space, place, but an ungodly bond would ensue between the surviving drag queens and the Italian mafia. The mafia had been displaced by the collapse of the power grid and COVID killed most of the remaining family. In this new world order where life was paramount, there was no place for executioners in this new world order. Each group had to figure out their place 
or be resigned to a new dynamic. But the former mafia bosses seem to be the most amenable to change. They seem to be okay not to succumb to the pressure of territory encroachment and disrespect, however small. It was the evangelicals and the Jesus-only group that held on for dear life for life for a life and rightness that made no sense in this new order. This new sense of rightness without retribution for years of enslavement and police brutality without reparations was much to ask in a new order without monetary gain. These Hotep warriors dug their heels into anything that would negate their existence, including the international drag ball or anything they perceived as negative to their self-image. As drag reemerged, so did the intensity of the protests against balls or anything countercultural. So, doll sisters began to discuss the intergalactic ball with the assistance of the real military. They knew it had to be extra, so the plan for an infield Last Supper engagement at the Lundgren's farm was necessary to lull them to the sense of the old days. To to debut the ball spectacular. They all converged onto the farm in electric cars and even horseback. The only Hasidic Jewish rabbi in Tennessee. The grand stage of snaking tables in the beautiful meadow stretching under the ancient Appalachian chain in Sweetwater. They all came, former politicians, former conservative magistrates, former provosts of Christian universities, all breaking bread in a field with survivors and a family they would, nev- they would never know before the scourge. Through the holographic emitters, the Coptic nunnery, Tibetan monastery, and the former harem all participated in meals resembling a orthodox satyr. The now su- suppliant, supplicant maybe none, witnessing the death of the mother superior at the Coptic nunnery offers the blessing from the Gospel of Mary, Theotokos, Mother of God. She, signs, she sings in perfect, mes- in perfect meso-soprano the prayer of praise of Mary the Magnificat. The middle-aged Pentecostal minister sits back, crossing his hands over his ample middle and draws. I didn't know we have to sit through an opera before we got to eat. Grace J comments with barely disguised disdain. This is the hymn and prayer of the hymn and prayer of praise of the mother of God, Mary, the Magnificat. Thanks so much for the blessing of Sister Mary Therese. She smiles and says, we get to offer praises in all forms, but still people deride and descend into dumbassery when they don't understand it. Everybody laughs. Sister Mary Therese continues, the word, all of it, has always been with us. Yahshua never left and returns in different forms. His words are no less powerful because Mara, the mother and follower, said the words. Humans wasted so much time being afraid and not knowing our price in the greater universal existence. Beauty and celebration of beauty comes in many forms. On detritus that has nothing to do with our reconciliation, but serves as a distraction from our purpose. That is how the replacements operated, to distract us from this bit of knowledge. The minister, what a bunch of gobbledygook. Next thing you're going to say there, 
is no God. And we need to throw in with Satan. Grace J, I doubt if anything, anyone would ever say that. And I put forth that evil exists because we fail to do what is sane and right. I don't agree with the circuitous route conventional religion places us to be. back in communion or connection. Primarily the argument that theater in the form of drag has no place in uplifting and entertaining us. Former leader of the nation of Islam. My past religion was a protest suppression of Christianity and Islam. Always a way to become superior while looking down on somebody else. And that has no place in this world order. Former Roman Catholic priest, we used our belief to control populations, but the scripture was limited interpretation of the greater message of origin and reconciliation. We only thought we were out of fellowship and not really clear in what was the fellowship. Sister Mary Therese, when you protest something so benign as a drag ball, what is true intent? the Hasidic Jewish rabbi to distract from suffering or your own debauchery and not doing the work to help anyone else outside of your own base urges. I hate to point this out, but God didn't hate drag or expression of art or even drinking. Only when you went were out of control of those teachers screwing and not spreading or teaching for a greater understanding of the word. That is when we got into trouble. That is when early saints got into trouble. Just then, as if on cue, a bright blue light appeared over the mountain ridge, pushing before it a rolling band of clouds. With grace, the, with grace, Jay begins to smirk and walks behind a changing screen, and out of the billowing, billowing clouds came menacing Black Hawk helicopters, with Afro-Druid logos stunning the religious leaders to silence, but the women of the Saudi harems and Coptic nuns seated on the edge of their seats. Each helicopter flying in a wing formation and hovering in a V formation in front of the audience with white steam emitted. Out of the smoke, five hard articulated runways are rolled out and out steps a drag queen representing the Incas, Mayan, Southwest Plains people, Egypt, Pacific Rim's tribe, out of the screen, out of the screens came the most spectacular headdresses destined for each queen. Each queen comes out high heel to RuPaul's sissy that walk. The most conservative black ministers in attendance were visibly shaken. Surprisingly, the other former ministers seemed to be enjoying the spectacle before them. The women on the hollow emitters instinctively knew that this show was the first intergalactic drag ball, a broadcast going forward in spite of the opposition, and they can say they were first and were so excited. The light show and special effects with the entrance of the Black Hawks using the Terran conduits, but this would be a display of technology on a level never witnessed before. It was artistry and celebration of life. The broadcast not only witnessed across the globe, but curiously watched by the entities of the continuum. It was artistry 
to the chagrin, that's a repeat, get rid of that entire sentence, to the chagrin of the protesting conservatives or in spite of the protest, was watched by everyone with access and shared watching, cautious, socializing because the pandemic was still raging. The show was brilliantly executed in defiance of those who wanted to distinguish such, such expressions of art. This was fashion and cosmetic crafting at its highest. These men and women became caretakers of art, cheerleaders of creation of humanity on a grand scale. After a season of death tolls, contagion surgery, raids, trials, the intergalactic drag ball was so over the top and such a break from the dumpster fire of the previous three and a half years. The black minister looked as if he wanted to flee or at least disrupt the proceedings, but not daring to, daring to noticing the armed drones on the periphery. It wasn't until the finale with the Blackhawks rising in unison as the wormhole appeared overhead, not before the former military members jumping out in glimmering shimmers of gold and silver and blue raining down, ending the show just as spectacularly as it started. Even the greatest skeptic rose to his feet, applauding in relief that they would finally be released without gunfire, but also genuinely impressed by the spectacle. Grace J says, we may not have changed your mind about social constructs of sexual identity or any of it, but we hope to you see the deeper message of celebration of life, cultures, humanity. Hate has no place in this world. And then the transmission fades in a shimmer of glitter. The armed drones move off and the lights go up and the religion just gas begins to move toward their transportation grace J and sheila move toward the coffee nuns who are chatting excitedly with doll's mother grandma and the partially hijab saudi princess they catch the beginnings of the plans for the next broadcast finally positivity and looking forward to something that celebrates positivity and that's how i ended this chapter of not making a comeback and just celebrating girls run the world I wanted to end my broadcast or this recording with just some fresh beats and a, as a reminder for us to be kind to ourselves, be kind to our minds, Mind and keep creating. I mean, there's just so much horrible things and mean things going on in the world. And this is not goodbye. This is just 
until we meet again or until I record and drop another episode. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I've enjoyed creating it. Check me out on social media. Tenfro is reading on Instagram, TV Food Wine Girl on Twitter, and Tenfro is reading the book club. I hope to get into a better state of mind as we recover as a nation from just the tragic happenstance of the last several weeks. And again, I admonish you to be kind to yourself and be kind to others. Be the action that you want to be. If you want kindness, give kindness, exude kindness, and just love yourself and love others. And again, thank you for listening. Mike Beats.